from Digitiki.com. It's all go now from this end. Let's try it again. It's working! It's working! We did it! We're getting pictures! I can swear I saw a hut. A primitive hut. Yes, I thought I saw two. Welcome back, folks. Once again, I've got my Mai Tai here. I hope you've got yours. And that means we're back for another edition of The Quiet Village. I'm your host, Digitiki, coming to you direct from digitiki.com in the heart of The Quiet Village. And you know, I always say I have a very special episode. And, uh, well, you know, every episode is special here at The Quiet Village. But this one... I am really excited about because joining me in the quiet village via satellite all the way from Columbus, Ohio, I have Jeff Chenault, who is the leading authority on Exotica. There's just there's just no other way to say it. Jeff and I are really good friends, and I've been pestering him for quite some time to uh, come to the Quiet Village, and we finally got our schedules together. And Jeff is not going to just be doing an interview, he's going to be playing ultra-rare vinyl exotica. He brought quite a lot of it along with him, stuff that is not on CD, not available as a digital download, just not available anywhere, even very, very hard to find in the used record bins and collector stores. And Jeff and I really geeked out on rare exotica for almost two hours. And there was just too much music, and Jeff had too much great background info about these tunes uh, to, to, to make it all fit into one hour. And I was listening to the recorded interview, and I tried to figure out the way to cut out uh, cut it down so it would fit into an hour, and there was just no way. So rather than trim the interview, I decided to break it up into two full episodes. So this is a two Mai Tai program, folks, packed with rare tunes. This is one for all you record collectors and exotica collectors out there. We are going to geek out into Vinylville here, folks, and I think you're going to really dig this. So let's get started right now with Jeff Chenault via satellite. He is the foremost authority on exotica. He also writes a column on music for Tiki Magazine. Great magazine, by the way, folks. Uh, He has also given numerous lectures to packed audiences at large Tiki events across the country, such as Tiki Oasis and the Hukilau in Florida. Welcome to the Quiet Village, Jeff. Thank you very much, Mark. Glad to be here. Now, I got to ask you, okay, just what got you into Exotica? I mean, was did, did you grow up with it, or was there something that got you into it? Um, it was the first time that I heard the music. Um, I was I was hooked on it, um, and the very first time I heard uh, this kind of music was at the end of a uh, Throbbing Gristle live tape, and they used to play Martin Denny. Uh, after their gigs over in uh, in England back in the late 70s. 
this music, and I was always wondering, what the hell is that? Because they never mentioned who it was or, or anything. You know, all you had was this very cool, you know, exotica music playing after they've just got done playing an hour of pure noise. Um, it wasn't until Throbbing Gristle put out their greatest hits album um, in October of 1981 on the Rough Trade label. Um, that they put a name on the back of their album, uh, which basically uh, said, uh, this album is dedicated to Martin Denny. So all of a sudden, boom, I had a name, you know. And, and, and then I come to find out, after I picked up some Martin Denny albums, is that they did a spoof, that Throbbing Gristle Greatest Hits album. If you ever see the album cover, it looks like a Sandy Warner cover. And uh, so I, I kind of knew uh, this was going to be an, an, an exciting uh, trip into sound. So I, I went out and I searched for the first Martin Denny album I could find, and it was the very first album called Exotica. That's after that after that album, I, I was hooked for life. <laughs> wow! So Throbbing Gristles, uh, I, I've heard of them, but I'm not that familiar with their music. There are they kind of industrial or punk or what? it's it's hard to describe their sound because they've they've played all different kinds of music but uh they're they're known as the forefathers or grandfathers i guess you could say of uh the uh, industrial noise industrial. Uh, they coined the term yeah they coined the term industrial music because their label was called industrial music mm-hmm. so wow. or industrial records What a juxtaposition to have industrial (laughs) music and then Martin Denny. (laughs) Exactly. Well, a lot of the noise artists were were uh, interested in uh, in exotica music uh, because it uh, it 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 could change your atmosphere, you know, and that's kind of what their music did as well. Eighty one is when the greatest hits album came out by TG, uh, but I, uh, I really didn't start actively pursuing this stuff until I'd say the mid eighties. Um, that's when I started really getting into it. Um, you know, after Exotica by Martin Denny, I, I got hooked on Les Baxter uh, because I noticed that five of the twelve tracks were composed by Les Baxter. So I'm like, God, who is this guy? So I went searching out for Les Baxter, and then when I heard Ritual of the Savage, uh, Tambu, and Jungle Jazz, I mean, I was like, wow, I, I could not believe there was such cool music out there, you know, because back in the uh, in the 80s and 90s in particular, too, uh, you know, there wasn't too much exciting music going on uh, <laughs> <laughs> at the true. time, really. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I was coming from a, from a punk aspect and going right into uh, strange uh, uh, exotica sounds but I mean I grew up with music my entire life my, my dad's been a DJ for 45 years so I grew up listening to, to Jean-Jacques Perret and uh, uh, the, the plastic cow goes moog so wow <laughs> so you um, so you were in on it way before Tiki and Exotica became uh, big again 
Definitely. I, I, I got a, a jump start uh, before the incredibly strange music books by Research came out because uh, uh, when they came out, um, uh, it exploded. Uh, everybody was, was, was getting into Exotica at that point. Um, so if I got into it in the mid-80s, which is about right, I had about an almost a 10-year jump on everybody else. So I could still find things at thrift stores for 50 cents or a quarter, yeah. you know, and yeah, all kinds of good stuff. About that. <laughs> and there was there was plenty to be had. There was lots of stuff out there, and I just collected as much as I could. Um, and, and then when the boom hit in the mid '90s, you know, when those incredibly strange music books came out, that was kind of good in a way because it, it it brought more of this music out to the forefront, so people could, uh, you know, search this stuff out for themselves you know i used it as a checklist i mean i i I use these books as a checklist and i would go through them and write down almost every artist's name in the book and then go out and actively search for this stuff because some of it is pretty rare that that's the thing i've noticed i mean you know when i started collecting it is there's an awful lot of just one-offs right you know for me the the real rarity is is not just an album that's hard to find but an album that's got a, a cool cover. I mean, let's face it, the cover artwork back then was phenomenal. Oh, yeah, cover work played mm-hmm. a big part in, in locating a lot of these albums because I, I had no idea what uh, some of these things sounded like. Like, you know, when you see uh, Robert Drasnan's uh, voodoo cover for the first time, you know, you see these jungle guys sitting, you know, with bongos and a girl in a leopard skid bikini, you know, and it's all tinted red, and you're like, wow, what the hell is this? It doesn't matter i'm getting it you know and then, right. and then when you listen to it it just it just blows you away uh, and so a lot of uh, uh, times uh the album cover was uh one of the main factors uh in purchasing uh, a record at that time because there wasn't too many names floating around uh until the incredibly strange music books came out and then finally boom we got names you know so uh right. yeah well and and that's that's the gem is when you find an album that's got a really cool cover and then you take it home and you listen to it and it's a good album on top of that. Right, right. That's, that's the gem. Because, you know, there's some Exotica records out there that are, you know, people pay a lot of money for on eBay and whatnot. And uh-huh. they're... In my estimation, they're just, they're so-so. Right. You know, they're not... Right, it depends upon what it is. You know, it really does. Now, all right, how many records do you have in your collection? I I have approximately 5,000 albums in my personal collection. Oh, my God. (laughs) 5,000. That's... Yeah, and I got about another thousand in, uh, in another room that's just kind of like uh, for sale stuff, you know, when I go to conventions and stuff. Now, so. is, is that all Exotica, or is it lounge? And, and... Um, it's mostly Space Age, Bachelor Pad music. Mm-hmm. Um, there is some Exotica in there. Um, there's just stuff that's uh, uncategorizable. Yeah. Um, like how to teach uh, your eighth graders uh, French and Spanish or something like that, you know. <laughs> I mean, just something really, really bizarre, you know. Um, so there was a, a lot of those records, which there is no uh, classification for. Right. So I, I have a lot of those records. In fact, I, I'm known at the record show as having, you know, the the guy with all this, the weird records, nice. you know. Nice. <laughs> so I got that reputation, oh. too. <laughs> well, that's good. 
because uh, there are some weird ones, and then and it's really cool. It's fun to see, you know, what the heck they were thinking when they released some of these records back then. Right. But it's cool that they yeah. did, and you know, of course the the cool album cover. All right, so that leads me down to the to the to the first track. Do, do you have an Exotica record, a, a rare one that's that's never been on CD? Um, or, or in a digital format, you know, officially digital format, that uh, is just one of your favorites, or, or, or that you would consider to be the absolute rarest. And I know that's a rough question. What's the rarest? Yeah, there's no uh, no absolute uh, number one album in my collection. There's just too many of them. Um, there are a fair amount of rarer albums that uh, that are classic Exotica, and one of my favorites is by a guy named Phil Moore, who did an, uh, an album, uh, let's see, Polynesian Paradise. Great cover, too. Yeah, great nude cover. Um, it was put out by Strand Records, who also released all the Billy Muir albums, mm-hmm. um, or a lot of them anyways, not all of them. And um, that album there, I mean, the first time I heard it just completely blew me away. I mean, to the level like of, uh, of Robert Drasman's album. I mean, just that... Um, uh, Beautiful. I mean, it was just a beautiful album. Every single track is just pure genius, you know. And, and I, I love finding those albums. They're far and few between. You know, usually you find albums, they've got a few really good, nice tracks on it, and the rest are filler, you know. But uh, right. that one, that album there, uh, yeah, from start to finish, it's just uh, an incredible uh, and exotica experience. Okay, so is there an outstanding track that you'd like to play? Oh yeah, that that the version of Moon of Manakura is incredible. That is one of my favorite tracks on that album. the The arrangement is 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 extremely inventive. Okay, so here we go. Moon of Manakura by Phil Moore and his orchestra from the very rare LP Polynesian Paradise.
right. So that was Fillmore and his orchestra with the Moon of Manakura. Now, did Fillmore ever do any other uh, records or any other exotica? Well, he did a lot of of work um, with other people. Um, he also did an album with Lena Adhurst on the Columbia label, and um, that's a really good album uh, to get as well. It's called Portrait of Leda, and um, he did all the orchestrations, and it's all exotic type stuff, and the vocals are like Ema Sumac on steroids. Really? I mean, it's it's that bizarre. Mm. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's another one, uh, wow. if you can find, uh, of, of his uh, uh, projects. Uh, well, that's, that's a good one to pick up. I just wrote it down, so now I've got another one to start looking for. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Almost anything that Phil Moore has been involved in is is, is very creative and, and, and very uh, uh, nice to listen to. I'm going to push you over to the next track here. All right. And it's kind of an example of the one I, I was talking about uh, in terms of, you know, it's got a cool cover. The LP's okay. I mean, it has a few outstanding tracks, but Paul Conrad's Exotic Paradise. Oh, yeah. That's, That's a great a real, album. It's a real interesting one. I mean, there's some bizarre tracks. I mean, there's like... Uh, yeah, he's got like the Isle, the My Isle of Golden Dreams, uh, Shangri-La, uh, Deep Night is a good track, and so is Kahuna. Uh, those are... Those are great tracks, and and you know, uh, Paul Conrad uh, he arranged for both Martin Denny and Arthur Lyman. Yes, and you know, an interesting thing I was reading the liner notes of a Gene Rains album, and there is a piano player named Paul Conrad listed. Yes, that is the same one. Well, let's do. Uh, how about Deep Night? Uh, yeah, Deep Night actually is a, is a good track. Let's do that. Okay, so here is Deep Night from Paul Conrad's album Exotic Paradise.
So let's move on to uh, what's another real exotic uh, rarity. A really, really favorite album of mine um, is called The Enchanted Sound of the Islanders. Oh, I know that very well, yes. Yeah, this was produced by Frank Metis and Randy Starr, and it was put out on Mayflower Records. It was a really small label out of, I believe, Pittsburgh, yeah, Pittsburgh, and uh, it's just a, a whole album of incredible, incredible exotica, almost from beginning to end, um, it's got great tracks on it, and there's an original composition, which is very good, called Contiki. Oh, yes. <clears throat> it's an original track that they wrote, lots of sound, lots of sound effects, too, it's a great album, um, it's very hard to find, but if you find it, get it. You won't be disappointed. <laughs> Thank you. 
so Contiki by the Islanders from the Enchanted Sounds of the Islanders. Do you happen to know what year that this came out? Um, this album, uh, it's not dated. Um, it is in stereo, so I would imagine, I mean, just by looking at this thing, I would say probably early 60s. And that, that leads me to another question. A lot of these albums in the 50s and 60s, there's absolutely no dating on any of them. <laughs> it's really hard to find out when they were released. Right, yeah. There, if there's no date on the album itself, yeah, you really don't know, know unless you can, you know, find it uh, listed in some kind of a uh, catalog or something. Or if you're diligent enough to cata catalog each of the catalog numbers for a record label. I right. Yeah, yeah. You can get an approximation because uh, just by going from catalog numbers, you can uh, uh, nail down a date so uh, or, get or, or get pretty close. All right. Moving right along. Let's have another exotic rarity here. <laughs> it's a uh, vinyl rarity. Vinyl rarity. How about uh, uh, an evening at Arnie's Lounge? Oh, my God. <laughs> what a great album. Okay, you're going to have to, uh, you'll have to explain this album to everybody because okay, well, uh, I'm well, sure not a lot of people have seen this uh, yeah, one. Yeah, Arnie, um, his real name was Arnold Becker, and he owned a couple of uh, restaurants in, uh, in southern Florida, and um, he put out a couple of his... Uh, his own uh, albums. He was known as Arnie, the singing bartender, and he would sing stuff like uh, he would sing stuff like uh, you know Hawaiian war chant, you know, uh, or caravan or rockabye your baby, you know, to my way, you know. And he would do it all. You know, it was just it was a trio. Him and his son who played drums, and then uh, uh, the keyboard player, I believe. I don't know if it was his wife or not. I don't know, but it was like a, I, I would I would assume so. But yeah, you know, I don't I don't know for sure, sure if it's a family affair. But yeah, um, that's a great album. If you can find that the, one, get it. It, it. He plays the steel guitar on it, and the cover has him smiling with his microphone with a blue tiki underneath his Fender uh, steel guitar. So. Sitting a, on orange shag carpet. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> With lace all over his head. Yes, this <laughs> the album cover is so good. It's so bad that it's good. I mean, and the album is one of those that, you know, I gotta say, it it is a it is an ultra rarity because this was probably just released like in house, right? It was a privately pressed thing, right? Private he would, he would, yeah, he would just he would press these himself and, and sell them at the restaurant. Right. So, you know, it's one of those albums. I think it, it goes into my category of, of so bad it's good on yeah, all it's, fronts. Yeah, it's it's cheesy, it's loungy, it's exotic-y. I mean, it's got everything. It's all the above. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Okay, the good which track, and the bad. <laughs> which track do you like on this one? Um, I, I definitely like uh, the Hawaiian War Chant. Hawaiian War Chant, excellent track. Hawaiian War Chant by Arnie Akanui from the privately pressed album An Evening at Arnie's Lounge. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
so hard i'm like what the hell this is the ultimate in cheese that cover is brilliant i gotta tell uh. you it, it is so funny okay so that leads me to a question now you know privately pressed album a lot of restaurants uh of the era did albums themselves yes. with their house acts and then they released it or sold them just at the uh restaurants and i and i understand you are a big collector of restaurant records. Yeah, I, I didn't realize how many I had of these things and I, until I actually put them all together because I, I usually I, um, I, I alphabetize all my albums. So everything was alphabetized by, by last name. And uh, But I started noticing all these oddball albums in between the the harmonicats and the and the and the martin denny's and the arthur lyman's and the uh uh corla pandit albums you know i started finding these things by george hula hines or lundy nelson or paul page you know and i'm like god who are these people yeah. and uh and so I, I decided to pull them out of the regular collection and just put them all together and that's when i realized god most of these things were privately pressed or they mm -hmm. were recorded live at a restaurant i said you know and and when you play them the album back it, it really does throw you back into another era because you can hear people talking like in the background and talking and, and drinking and and yelling and whatnot so as, as you actually are in the bar with uh you know uh george hula hines you right, know so right. it's it's great it's great stuff i I've, I've right now i'm i've got a collection of over 500 of these things <laughs> oh my god that really there were that many yeah i've got over 500 uh, of privately pressed and uh restaurant records there's a few interesting ones do you have a do you have a particular favorite 
Um, I do like anything by Paul Page. He did. Uh, he did quite a few of them, actually. Yeah, uh, he's released a, a prolific amount of uh, recorded work, but obtaining them is not so easy. Mm-hmm. Um, it has taken me years to track down some of these albums, and, and usually, they, you know, it's it's an eBay affair, and they go for mm-hmm. a, a large sums of money. But uh, once in a while, you'll luck out and find one in the wild. But uh, um, yeah, the, those albums are, are up there for uh, their rarity. Um, definitely, they are one of the uh, toughest of artists uh, to locate their work. Uh, he yes. would be a good one for a CD reissue, but yeah, yeah, Paul Page is one of my favorites. And there's there's numerous ones, but him at the Seven Seas and... And uh, I, I can't even think of, of some of the ones. Yeah, he played at places like the Ports of Call and and the Reef. And he played um, he played at a couple uh, other uh, restaurants, uh, both in California and in um, um, Hawaii. Uh, and all his albums are, are great. Uh, everyone that I've found... Um, uh, due to not only his talent but the, his backup band, which was the Island Airs. So, do you have a do you have a particular track you'd like to? Uh, like uh, to... Yes, you know what I like. One of my f- f- funnest tracks to listen to is Chicken Kona Kai. Um, it was. <laughs> what a name. It's from the Ports of Call album, Chicken Kona Kai. <laughs> It's got the steel guitar in it, Mark, where uh, they make it sound like a chicken walking around. You hear there's like... (laughs) Oh, my God, I cannot wait to hear that one. That's a riot. All right, well, let's give it a listen. Akamai Kani by the name Kai Brown. He played the steel guitar while the chickens gathered round, and they cackled out the chorus of this syncopated sound. So up with the right foot, and everybody say, Haley on the oe, and we only only a. And up with the left foot, and hit the hickey a. And that's what the howlies call the chicken reel today. been crow and the hens commenced to lay and when they pow kahana they all hit the hay and the farmer come around and haul another load away so up at the right foot and everybody say 
Haley on the OA, and we only on the A. Up with the left foot and hit the hickey A. And that's what the Howleys call the chicken reel today. Away. That was a fun tune. I, I'm going to throw in one of my own uh, restaurant record exotica uh, rarities, and I'm sure you've got this one because if you've got 5,000-plus <laughs> records, you've probably got this one. It's um, An Evening at the Royal Tahitian. By who? Well, it's actually got two different acts. The first side is a group called the Royal Tees and the Royal Samoans, and then on the on the B side is all uh, like swinging crooner tunes by their in-house singer named Henrietta Hank Hammond. <laughs> and, and and what's it called again? An evening at the Royal Tahitian, and it's actually was. It was recorded at the Royal Tahitian, which used to be out here in Ontario, California. Wow, you and, know uh, what? I don't think I have that, Mark. You don't? Oh, my. Well, oh, all right, folks. I stumped Jeff Chenault <laughs> here. <laughs> that one is that, that, that one definitely has stumped me on that one. I've got a lot that were recorded at the Hilton Hawaiian Village. Yes. And I've, I've got a bunch of albums recorded at other restaurants, but I don't think I have one from there. Well, it's it's really interesting. It's um, The band does Exotica tracks. They do uh, Quiet Village, Similo, you know, the drums of Samoa, Hawaiian War Chant. Is that the one that's got, like, a really cool uh, tiki on the cover? It's uh, it's got It's got, like, an illustration of red flames, and the tiki's kind of lit by the red flames. Right, yeah. the Tahitian, the Tahitian something. The Royal Tahitian. Do you actually have that on vinyl? I do actually have that oh on vinyl. Oh my god! And I oh. and I have to. I'm going to dig the knife in a little deeper. I actually found that at a swap meet for a dollar. Oh, that's great. Because well, you know, it's, it's it's a local. You know, being in 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 my area, I guess it's. It would be a local record, so somebody must have had it and turned it in. But I have to say, I've never seen it since, wow. and I keep looking for an extra copy. Well, if you find another one, you find another one, you know who doesn't have one. I will, I will, but I... <laughs> it's interesting. They do a version of Quiet Village that's actually really kind of slow. Huh. It's almost, yeah, it's almost like Sleepy Village is what I call Sleepy it. Sleepy Village. But uh, actually, why don't, why don't I play that? Let's Sounds do, good. Uh, Let's do Quiet Village by the Royal Tees, and I think they were called the Royal Tees because the Royal Tahitian was actually on a golf course at the time. And the way I understand it, it was actually a big place. They had an outdoor luau grounds where they actually had shows outdoors as well as the restaurant and the lounge indoors. And uh, from what I understand, the building is still there. Um, but it's in uh, disrepair, and it's it's still on the uh, the golf course. But it's no longer the Royal Tahitian. Wow, that's so, amazing! Uh, I can't wait to hear it. Okay, so here we go: "Quiet Village" by the Royal Tees from the very rare LP, "An Evening at the Royal Tahitian." Thank you. 
awesome. Yeah, I don't have that one, dude. You did stump me. I've been looking for that one. I've seen a picture of it on TC, but I've never seen one. I almost didn't buy it. Oh, my God. Yeah, I was looking at it, and I'm like, well, it's got a tiki on the cover. I'll grab it. See, that's then... one of the things that you need to look for that I've noticed is that, you know, some album covers can look very mundane. Mm -hmm. um, you look at some of the Richard Heyman stuff or David Carroll, and it, it looks like it's really geared toward the... Uh, you know, towards the uh, easy listening uh, crowd. But when you look at it more closely, um, you'll find tracks that um, that just sound exotic, mm -hmm. um, um, like uh, Similao or mm -hmm. Flirtango or, uh, or Offshore. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. when you start seeing songs, titles or if you see anything with caravan or quiet village on it get it yeah you know no matter no matter what exactly. you know uh, i think there's a a friend of mine that has uh, a compiled a list of how many versions of quiet village there is and i think he's got like 64 at last oh my count god. uh yeah oh my god i would love to do a show that's just all Quiet Village versions. <laughs> oh, yeah, you could. You could do some... a show for probably a couple hours of Quiet yeah. Village. You all know. Quiet Village. All Quiet Village. That'd be pretty cool. All right. So let's let's go on to the next rarity. Is do you have any? Uh, do you have another? Yeah, another? I just uh, I just located one um, uh, not too long ago, and um, I'm still trying to uh, get some history on this guy. But mm -hmm. um, I believe. Um, uh, one of his uh, sons uh, uh, frequents Tiki Central, and his name is George Hula Hines. Uh, and I know, I know yeah, who you're talking about, yeah. Yeah, and he used to work at the Mai Kai restaurant in Fort Lauderdale. And uh, so I, I finally tracked one down. And so I've got this album by George Hula Hines, and it's very good. Um, he does songs like Hawaiian Cha 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 and uh, the Hukilau song, which is always fun to uh, to listen to, as well as the Hula Twist. That's a good song, too. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a great album. It's, it's neat to find stuff uh, from especially a, a place like the Mai Kai, uh -huh. um, you know, because the, there is no other albums that I have found that were recorded at uh, the Mai Kai itself. I mean, there was a lot so of people... This album this album is a Maikai album? Well, no. He he recorded... He was one of the main guys at the Maikai. The album wasn't recorded at the Maikai. Okay. No. It, it was actually, a, I believe, a studio album that he went into the studio and did himself. In fact, a lot of restaurant records, believe it or not, weren't recorded in the restaurant. They were recorded in a recording studio. Yes. Yeah, some people have yes. even went to uh, so far to make it uh, appear live that they've put in fake hand claps in between songs to make it appear that it's live. The the Esquivel CD that's been recently released is an example. Mm -hmm. um, it, it was a, a restaurant record, um, but they put in fake hand clapping between <laughs> tracks because it was actually recorded in a, in a recording studio. You know, and I think that's what happened with the uh, the. Uh evening at the Royal Tahitian, you hear them end the song, and then there's like this abrupt 
start of clapping and then an abrupt stop, like they just cut the tape and inserted it. <laughs> you know, they didn't even bother to make it sound like a real right. audience starting to clap and ending their clap. Yeah, you can tell when you listen to these things if they're studio or not. I, I tend to like the ones that have the atmosphere, the ambience of the restaurant going on in the background. I just love that. The clinking glasses and whatnot. Right, people talking, hey, you know, what's going yeah. on here? Yeah. Right. <laughs> Laughing in the background. All right, so this George Hines album, what, what's the name of the George Hines album? It's called Aloha Time with George Hula Hines. Okay, and, and, and what, uh, what track would you like to play off of that? Uh, let's see. I like Hawaiian Cha-Cha-Cha. Right. And then Johnny Coco also has a couple other albums, um, which I don't have. You know, Johnny mm-hmm. Coco's one uh, artist, too. I, I don't have much of it. It's readily available. I just, believe it or not, do not have any of his stuff so all right from george hula hines here's hawaiian cha-cha-cha Kani by the name Kai Brown. He played the steel guitar while the chickens gathered round, and they cackled out the chorus of this syncopated sound. So up with the right foot, and everybody say, Haley on the oe, and we only only a. And up with the left foot, and hit the hickey a. And that's what the howlies call the chicken reel today. been crow and the hens commenced to lay and when they pow kahana they all hit the hay and the farmer come around and haul another load away so up at the right foot and everybody say haley on the owe and we only only a up with the left foot and hit the hickey a and that's what the howlies call the chicken reel today away Thank you. 
とさ、つらい別れを泣いたとさ、リンゴ。You are listening to the 1959 Ethel Azama album called "Exotic Dreams" on Liberty Records. Very, very exceptionally rare. And not only that, interesting fact: it was produced by Martin Denny. So the the instrumentation sounds a little familiar. You're absolutely right. I believe Martin Denny also played on that as well. Well, my my tie is empty, and I believe Jeff's is too, and that means we've come to the end of this part of Rare Vinyl. I hope you've enjoyed us geeking out on Rare Vinyl. Join us again really soon for part two, where we're going to geek out even further, and Jeff is going to have a very, very exceptionally rare track and some exciting news about that rare track. So until next time, you can join us at thequietvillage.com, where you can get a complete list of all the artists and tracks on this and other podcasts. Join us again for part two coming real soon. Rare Exotica with Jeff Chenault. Aloha. <laughs> <laughs>